You know, over the past week or two, as we've talked about the Afghanistan situation, um, I've been very fortunate to hear from some people who have all kinds of different viewpoints and perspectives and experience and firsthand knowledge of the situation there today and who were personally part of the history over the past 20 years. Some of them we've had on the air. You've heard from them too. Others have contacted me personally to share their stories and give me some background and some perspective and uh, a big thank you to all of them. I really appreciate it. That kind of insight is invaluable in trying to tell this story and help us understand what we're seeing. And today we have another person joining us with uh, really great insight, Lori Hahn. Uh, a veteran and as a member of Stephen Harper's government, a frontline official on several Afghanistan files over many years. Uh, thrilled that he can join us this morning. Uh, Laurie, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Absolutely, Jay. Great to be with you. So, Laurie, when we take a look at, uh, just to give people some perspective about when we're talking to you about this, it's not like we're talking to somebody who was sort of on the fringes. You, you were intimately involved and you spent a lot of time there and you did a lot of work around the situation in Afghanistan, right? Yeah, I was there seven times visiting the troops, five Christmases from 06 to 10, and then two other committee visits. Uh, I was also the government lead on a couple of committees on Taliban detainees and the and the mission in general. So I was, you know, as Peter McKay's parliament secretary, I was pretty closely involved with that and uh, I've been following, you know, the, the latest part with, with a lot of dismay. Okay, that's the question, Laurie, this, this latest part. We're talking about two weeks uh, out of a 20-year mission, so... Are are we losing perspective on the entire Afghanistan mission, or um, does this really sort of define it for you? Well, you know, this was a mission that, you know, we had to eventually rely on Afghans to look after themselves. We can't be there forever. The Americans and Brits and Aussies, other people, could not be there forever. So part of it was obviously defeating al-Qaeda and the Taliban. But after that, we had to give the Afghans the capacity to, to do it themselves. And there's a, an old Taliban saying that, uh, you know, you have the watches, we have the time. Mm-hmm. And they would take as much time as it took, and they're very patient in those uh, sort of cultures. And, you know, that, uh, and there was a lot of corruption involved. You know, we set up the, the Taliban, or sorry, the, uh, the Afghan government, and there were some people in power that we didn't elect, but we aided those elections. But it's a place with a very, very high level of corruption uh, and bribery and so on. So it was very difficult for them to hang on. And when the Taliban were standing by, you know, waiting to do what the, what they did with support from other players, like particularly Afghanistan, sorry, particularly Pakistan. The biggest problem in Afghanistan, in my view, is Pakistan. Right, yep. Who have been sheltering uh, Al-Qaeda and the Taliban and funding them. And it put the Americans in a tough spot because, you know, they were sending Pakistan a lot of money for, for other reasons, but a lot of that money was being filtered into the Taliban. So it was pretty tough for the Americans to give them money and say, okay, uh, you know, they couldn't follow the money, uh, put it that way. So it's, uh, it was, I don't want to say doomed to fail, because, you know, we did give Afghanistan, the people of Afghanistan, many years of progress. Yes. Now, whether that'll last or not, you know, who knows. But I'll give you one little uh, sort of anecdote. On Christmas Eve at 1030 in 2006, I was standing at one of our forward operating bases, Nate Massengar with, with Rick Hillier and uh, John Baird and uh, Jay Hill looking out over the countryside. And it was dark. There was no lights on anywhere. Uh, you could hear artillery in the distance. You could hear 500-pound bombs going off. And you were having a coffee and a cigar and saying, you know, this is real. And then a year to the minute later, Christmas Eve 2007, 10.30, standing at exactly the same spot with Rick Hillier and Peter McKay and looking out over the countryside. And there were lights on. 
and it was quiet, and there was peace. The villages, you could see, it kind of looked like a scene from the prairies with all the villages in the distance. And I said to myself, and, and the guys with me, I said, you know, don't tell me we're not making progress. We are making progress. Now, was it doomed to fail? Well, only if we didn't give the Afghans or the Afghans didn't take enough responsibility to, to do it on their own. And that was always going to be a challenge. But you know what? We, we did send a lot of kids to school. We did send a lot of women uh, to, to work. You know, we had a, a microloans program that for 200 bucks a woman could start a business. And thousands of them did and, and brought their families out of, out of poverty. And, you know, we had women in Parliament, and I was privileged to meet some of those folks there and, and back in Canada. So we did do some good things. We did make some progress. You know, was it worth it? You know, you'd have to ask people other than, than me. You'd have to ask some of the soldiers who are now struggling with the uh, emotional fallout of, of uh, the way it wound up. You'd have to talk to some of the some of the widows of, of the folks who were killed there, and I know a bunch of them. And they're probably hurting right now because it's tough for them to say, you know, this was worth it. But, you know, to, to me, to me, we did give Afghanistan something to hope for. And maybe just maybe down the road, they'll, they'll get something to cling to again. Yeah, maybe that seed has been planted. But I think you make a really good point. It's sort of been my concern to, to stand up and say, oh, what a waste of time. It was a complete failure. We, we accomplished nothing. Um, to me, that really sort of cheapens the tremendous work, and I'm glad you highlighted some of it, that our troops did there. We yeah. can't discount the work that they did at considerable risk, obviously, yeah. um, in, in benefit of the Afghan people. No, I, I could not be prouder of our of our men and women in uniform for what they did, and not not just in uniform, but the civilians that were there, uh, you know, from the various government departments that were there, almost at the same risk, not quite, but almost at the same risk as the military folks. And if you haven't seen Ron Ambrose's uh, pitch on Facebook, please go find it. Uh, it's very emotional, and it talks about okay, what do we do now? And what we do now is try to get out some of the people, some of the Afghans, interpreters and, and so on, that, that helped us and their families. Because, you know, we brought out about 3,700, but there are thousands there yeah. that are at great risk. And and Ronnie makes a great plea to, you know, there's a number of generals, David Fraser, Dennis Thompson, Dean Milner, friends of mine, who are working on, you know, raising money to get them out. Uh, and, and the Veterans Transition Network, which is run by a guy named Tim Laidler, who I know reasonably well, is also part of that. So I really encourage people to, to Google Ron Ambrose and just see what she has to say. It's very emotional. It's very powerful. And it, it should stir people to, to, to some, some action or at least some better understanding of, of the mission. Lori, let me ask you, because the question I have that I don't understand is why would, did we wait till the last two weeks to try and do this? Canada hasn't had troops in Afghanistan since yeah. 2014. So when yeah. we left, why did we not immediately start working seven years ago on a plan to make sure that these people that we all now seem to understand we owe a debt to, why didn't we start working on it then? Well, Shay, that's that's the really good question of the day. And not to get too political, but we had all the intel. We knew what was eventually going to happen, the challenge that the Afghans were going to face, you know, sooner or later. And part of it for Canada is, you know, we've been, and I don't want to get off into a political tangent, but we've been focused on elections instead of, instead of this. You know, we should have started planning this if not seven years ago, you know, a year seven ago, months ago, a, a long time ago, because uh, we had all these until we knew what was going to happen. Uh, and, and, you know, when we did finally get in the game of this, you know, we sent out things by email, you know, sort of blasting email out there to uh, Afghans to say, OK, go to this website, 
and sign up, and it'll take two weeks to process the thing, and you got to have all this information. Of course, most of the Afghans don't have access to that. Mm-hmm. So it was, it, was, it was ludicrous, a ludicrous process to put in place. You know, the, the Brits and the Americans and the French, for sure, uh, have been out there going out into the neighborhoods yes. and picking, picking up folks that they know. And we know, you know, pretty much through intelligence and so on, who pretty much all of these people are. And we know where they are, for the most part. So we could have done an awful lot more, an awful lot sooner to, to get the process in place and make it a process that the Afghans could actually follow, not, you know, stuff that would be difficult for people in Canada to follow with, with our, uh, you know, access to, to technology and so on. But they don't have access to that, most of them. No, so it was, it was, yeah. they, were, they were doomed. Um, so, Lori, uh, that doesn't sound great uh, for the future of these people that we've left behind. I know that there's work going on, but the question for me around that work that's going on and trying to establish a safe zone and, and to force the Taliban to ensure safe passage, um, as somebody who's dealt with the political realities in that part of the world, including the Taliban, um, the fact that we're negotiating with the Taliban and relying on them to help support our mission seems to me like another disaster in the making. Am I right or am I wrong? Well, you're, you're partially right, but, you know, we don't have a whole lot of choice at the moment. The Taliban are there, and there are, I'm, I'm hoping, we're hoping, some reasonably rational elements within the Taliban that will understand that, you know, if they cooperate a little bit, it might be a little easier on them down the road. I mean, right now, ISIS-K uh, is, they're, they're fighting with the Taliban, and they were the guys that had the explosion the other day at, uh, at, at Kabul Airport. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Taliban could help us with that. Uh, you know, and that kind of thing, uh, you know, keeping ISIS-K down would help. Our ult- I mean, our ultimate aim is to get these Afghans out, first and foremost, is to get the Afghans out that have helped us and get them to, get them to safety. Beyond that, you know, the long-term in Afghanistan is, you, you know, you, you work with, with what you got. And right now, there's going to be a Taliban government of some kind in uh, Afghanistan. We should never recognize them, per se, uh, but through direct contact or through other folks in the area, you know, maybe we can, you know, encourage some things and get them done. But here's where some of the corruption comes in. They're going to form a government, and the, the three or four guys who will lead that government are hardcore Taliban. Right. There's going to be six, eight, ten others, uh, perhaps like Hamid Karzai and, and Abdul Abdullah and, and other players there who will be put up there and see, look, look, see, we've got these, uh, we've got these moderate Afghans. Uh, aren't, aren't we being nice? And it's, it's complete BS. There's going to be three or four guys controlling that, and Karzai and, and Abdullah Abdullah and the rest will be, uh, will be there, will be there for show. So it's, it's a long-term thing. You know, Afghans have been called the graveyard of empires and yeah. a whole bunch of different things for, for a long time for, for a reason. So this is not a short-term thing. I think Canada needs to stay involved. First and foremost, get the people out as much as we can that, that, and save them from, from certain death with the Taliban. And then, you know, longer term with the, with the bigger international community to try to put some pressure where you can put pressure to force the Taliban or encourage the Taliban that, you know, maybe it's in your best long-term interest as much as right. you disagree completely with your form of government and your form of, uh, of, of philosophy and culture. Maybe it's in your best interest to just back off a little bit and make things a little bit easier for the Afghan people. We're not going to see a turnaround. We're not going to see any, you know, democratic elections. No, of course not. In, in Afghanistan, that's just not going to happen. And one of the things that I always talked about, you know, back when we were involved was, you know, in, in Canada, we seem to think that we can make 
uh, Afghanistan like Canada. Uh, and that was a very admirable sort of thought, but it's completely unrealistic. They will never be like Canada or the U.S. or Britain or anywhere else. The culture over, you know, centuries and centuries, the culture will just not allow that. So let's quit pretending that our aim is to make them, you know, a democratic country like Canada. Just not going to happen. Right. Yeah. Deal with reality and, and make, it, make them the best Afghanistan they can be, and which will never be Canada. Yeah, exactly, Laurie. I think I think we've learned that lesson. Uh, we're we're not the first. I mean, there's nope, as no, you said, not. so many countries have learned that lesson the hard way. But uh, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. I I really appreciate your insight, Laurie. Thanks very much. Anytime. Thanks, Jake. Cheers. Yeah, you bet. That is Laurie Hahn, uh, the former federal conservative MP um, from Edmonton Centre, and uh, he was in the Harper government, involved intimately with this whole situation. As you heard, he was there several times. Um, he was involved with Peter McKay as defence secretary. So he's boots on the ground, as they say. And um, it, it is a head-scratching position we find ourselves in, isn't it? Um, now in a position where we're negotiating with the Taliban and relying on the Taliban to ensure safe passage of the Canadians we've left behind.